about the tongue today. It's a something we all have, something we all have in common. Right? We all have a tongue. That's more of a probably more of a metaphor than anything else in this case. But it's important to understand kind of what's going on. But as we start here, it, it starts off with kind of a warning that's kind of just kind of in the middle of this kind of out of nowhere, right? Um, in James 3, 1 and 2, it says, Not many should become teachers, my brothers, knowing that we will receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a mature man who is also able to control his whole body. Now that's, that's kind of a challenge for us, uh, especially for me being up here and teaching you guys, right? But in many ways, how many times are we teachers in our lives? Whether it be uh, teaching our children something, teaching a friend something, teaching others around us what God's Word says and what God showed us. So when we're teaching what God's Word says, we should be careful. Make sure we're teaching what God's Word says and not doing our own thing. So as we teach, it says we're held to a higher standard. Uh, we're held to a standard that's a little bit more. Now we're leading people in a direction. We're taking somebody where, where God's, where we're saying God told us this, and we're taking them somewhere. And so, the reality is, is if we're not if we're not leading in the way that God is wanting us to go, then that could mean only one other option, and that means we're leading people away from God and not towards God. And that judgment is going to be based on what we're doing as teachers as we're leading others around us. It's, it's a very big thing in our lives when we're telling somebody what God's doing to know that God's doing it and not just making stuff up and saying this is what God says. I see it a lot in politics. I see a lot of people that they'll say God says this, but it doesn't really line up with what God's word says. And they're leading people away from the gospel as opposed to to the gospel. So we got to be very careful as we're doing that. And it talks about making mistakes. It says we all make mistakes. Right? Has anybody here not made a mistake this week, today? Uh, I think we've probably all made mistakes. And we've all, but as a leader, sometimes our mistakes can kind of be more glaring. I mean, we think of pastors that we've heard in the news that when they make a mistake and they stumble and they fall away from the faith for just a moment, it's not just their personal life that shows. It, it is shown nationwide that they made a mistake. And people, want, people are hoping that big-name leaders and big-name teachers, that they'll fall away and make a mistake. And they'll use that as a way to say that they're not really Christians. They don't really know. They're not really following God's word because they made a mistake. Um, but the truth is it's not a matter of will a leader make a mistake, but rather when will he make the mistake. And how bad the mistake will be. Because we're all going to make a mistake. And then the next question is, is. What does that teacher do. When they make a mistake. What is their reaction. How do they go about life after that. Do they turn back to God. And repent for the mistake they made. Or do we do like we want to do in our personal lives. And just kind of pretend it didn't happen. And cover it up. And hope nobody saw it right. That can be a bad thing in our lives, especially for a leader when it is found out that they've been kind of covering that up. And now people are like, but you said back this day, and then you did this. And it, it kind of misrepresents the whole church for, for everyone around when we do that as leaders. And so the big question we have to ask for that, for that teacher is, who has control of their lives? And we're going to spend a little bit more time and go in depth to that here in a minute with these next few verses. 
But that was kind of a warning for all of us as we teach and as we lead people around us, as we, as we lead our children, as we lead our friends and we lead our families, to be careful about what we're teaching and make sure that it lines up with what God's Word is saying and not just what we want to say and what we want to do. Um, so let's look into start verse 3 with 3 through 6. So it's, it says, Now when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we also guide the whole animal. And consider ships, though very large and driven by fierce winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So too, though, the tongue is a small part of the body. It boasts great things. Consider how a large forest, how large a forest a small fire ignites, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among the parts of our body. It pollutes the whole body, sets the course of life on fire, and it sets on fire by hell. So as we read this, it, we see small things can make big things happen. Uh, we talk about three small things in this, in this passage. And so as we're going to go into more depth about that, um, what we can say can have a big, big impact on what happens in people's lives around us. So just a small word at the right moment can change people's lives for the good or the bad. Right? We, we've all been there. We've all had a, a time when we were discouraged and struggling and things just weren't going well for us and somebody came up and just said the right thing at the right moment that God led them to say. And it turned our lives around in that moment. It brought happiness and joy back to us. Um, as I was counseling with a couple one time, they, they called those little miracle moments. They had, they had lost a child and... They were praying out to God in their struggles and somebody came up and said the right thing at that moment that just touched their heart. And they consider those, they, they, they are saying for it when that happened, those were miracle moments in their lives. Uh, just because somebody trusted God and they said the right thing were led by the Spirit to say something to them in that moment. Whether it just be going knock on somebody's door when God says to go knock on their door, it can change somebody's life. A small thing can have a huge impact on life. But so too can't go the other way. If we, if we say something negative to somebody at the wrong moment, that too can have a huge impact on their life and can devastate somebody's life. Um, we see it all the time with bullying and all that kind of stuff we see in schools today. Kids say mean things, and just the simplest word can really devastate somebody's life. So as I said, small things can have a huge impact. So in, James here uses three examples, which I think we can all understand. The first one he talks about is a bit in a horse's mouth. I mean, a bit's only about that wide, just little pieces of metal, right? But through that bit, the animal, the horse is under complete control of the, of the rider for the most part. All right? I remember before me and Brandy got married, they, her family liked to go um, camping in the mountains. They'd take the horses and, and, and go riding. I'm a simple city boy. I'm not a country guy. I didn't ride horses. And so it was a huge fear of mine to even be on a horse. And then they put me on a horse and took me riding on cliffs, where if the horse made one mistake, there was no bailing to the right because there was a cliff on one side. And if the horse made a mistake and went to the left, I was going down with him and dying alongside the horse because it was a long drop off. So I had to have trust in that horse. And it took me a while to realize that I had control over that horse, even though it was big and it was a beast. And, and I couldn't really tell it what to do. But that bit 
help me turn it and help me control that animal when I really had zero control in my own power to control that animal, right? Uh, I think we all ride, most of you guys probably ride horses here, right? Being out here in the country. So you guys know that power that that bit has. And if you take that bit out, do you still have control over the horses easily? No, that, that horse is going to go wherever it wants to for the most part. Then, with, then he talks about a rudder on a boat. Uh, so we see these big cruise liner boats, and we see they get power going, and you would think that they would need something massive to turn it. But just in the very back, there's just a little rudder in the back that's not very big in comparison to the size of the boat. But when that steering wheel turns and that rudder turns, it turns the entire boat in that moment. Doesn't take long to start getting it turning, it starts turning quickly. And that's how it's controlled. And then we then it talks about a small fire. How much how much damage can a small fire that gets out of hand do in a moment's notice? I I remember we were burning some land out on our property, burning some brush on our property when I was a kid. And it took a, a moment, somebody wasn't watching, and we were in a rush to try to get that fire out before it spread too far, too fast. Uh, we see it in California right now where things are just burning left and right. Um, there was one fire that it was simply started because somebody was having a birthday reveal party. And they shot something and it blew up and it hit, hit some brush and it took off from there. And, they could, and, the, and there was a bunch of people there, but they couldn't get it to stop. And it burned thousands and thousands of acres. It cost people's homes. It cost property. I don't think, I don't know if it cost lives or not, but some of those fires are costing cost lives. And it's not started because somebody's out being malicious necessarily and starting a big fire. It started from a small spark that just lit the pathway out and was out of control in just a moment's notice. And so that's what James is talking about here. He's talking about the tongue being like this. So the tongue can be a fire, and it can take off and just do things, both good and bad. So we had we had a cookout last night. We had a fire there. Right? And that fire did great things for us. It allowed us to cook the food and eat the food. But it was a fire that was under control. It was There was precautions taken around it, and it was taken care of. So there was control over that fire versus if we just go out there and just throw a match out there and, so just do whatever you want to fire. Is that going to be a fire that can be used for good? No. Even if we wanted to cook marshmallows on it or hot dogs, it's probably not going to be able to be done by that because it's going to keep moving away from us. Whereas if it was under control, we were able to use it for what we needed to. We had power over that fire. So too is our tongue. It can, it, we have the same issues with our tongue. If we're not controlling our tongue, we're having somebody control the tongue. It can get out of hand real fast what we're saying. When we let our emotions get the best of us, sometimes we can, we'll say something that we don't mean in a heartbeat, and we can never undo what we just said. And so we may not be meaning to be mean to somebody, but through our anger, we allow our tongue to say something that we didn't mean or didn't really want to say, and that can just devastate that person. Or if we're under control, we can tell people what, what God's word says for them and give them good godly wisdom if we're under control. So do we have control over what comes out of our mouth? It's a good question we have to kind of ponder 
as we go through the day, each and every day? Do we have control over what we're saying, over how we're reacting to situations? When, we hit our, when we're hammering something, we hit our thumb with a hammer, do we have control over what we say? Uh, when, some, when we're driving down the road and somebody cuts us off, do we have control over what we say or how we act? Are we in control of that? So those are, those are things we have to ask each day of what we have control over. In James 1.26, we talked about this a few weeks ago. It says, if anyone thinks he's religious without controlling his tongue, then his religion is useless and he deceives himself. Right? Even James, before we even got to this, he already talked about the tongue and being in control of it. If we're not, if we're not in control of it and we're just going to say whatever we say and not be in control of what we're saying, then our religion is not very good. Right? We're... What we believe is not what's coming out of our mouth necessarily. And so if we're leading people around us and we're not in control of our tongue, we're saying things that we shouldn't be saying, having attitudes that we shouldn't be saying. And we, let me be careful. Well, when I say saying things, I'm not saying curse words or things like necessarily that. That's a part of it. But are we being uplifting and godly in everything we say? Are we, are we edifying God in all that we say and do? Uh, so we have to ask, who controls the bit? The horse or the rider? Right? The rider, right? The rider is in control of that bit, not the horse. Who controls the rudder of the ship, the boat or the captain? The captain, right? Who's controlling our tongue? The created or the creator. So just like that horse can't control the bit and that ship shouldn't control the rudder, if those two things don't have a rider or a pilot, what's going, what are they doing? They're doing whatever they want to, right? There is no control in the situation with no rider and with no captain on the boat. Who controls our tongue? Do we control it? Or do we allow God to control it? He created us for a purpose, right? He wants to have control over us. And he can do that. So we're allowing God to be in control over our speech as we walk through the day. Let's look at verse 7 through 12. It says, Every sea creature, reptile, bird, or animal is tamed, and has been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. We praise our Lord and Father with it, we curse men who are made in God's likeness with it. Praising and cursing come out of the same mouth. My brother, these things should not be this way. Does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives? My brothers, or a, great, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can salt water spring yield fresh water. So God has given us an amazing ability to tame tame all creation, right? When we think about it, the animals that have been tamed have been used for entertainment, for work. We don't have the power to stop them by ourselves. Like physically, a horse wins over a man every time, correct? Physically, an elephant would do whatever it wants to compared to what a man. A lion, a tiger, right? All those things, physically, we can't stop them. I remember one time we had a dog that it liked to lick rusty things and it licked a bicycle 
was looking at the chain, and when it did, it hit its foot and hit that pedal and got its lip stuck in the in the spokes. And so I hear this dog screaming, yelling. It wasn't a very big dog. And I was in high school. I was working out and doing all kinds of stuff with athletics. And it took every ounce of energy I could just to hold that dog down so I could loosen it up. And that was just a, a medium-sized dog, not even a big dog. And it was all I could do to hold the dog still just so I could help it out. But yet God gives us the ability to tame all creation, to train all creation. I mean, we think about these animals that we've seen train, and we think, oh, that's amazing. How did they train that tiger to let you let it stick its head in their mouth? Well, God gave us that ability. So I'm going to give you the, you are in control of all the animals. So he said in Genesis 1.26, he said, um, says, God said, let's make man in our image according to our likeness. They rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, and all earth, and all the creatures that crawl on the earth. So he gave us the ability to be in control of all of creation. And then he says in, 9, in uh, Genesis 9.20, it says, The fear and terror of you will be in every living creature on earth, every bird of the sky, every creature that crawls on the ground, and all the fish of the sea, they are placed under your authority. So he gave us control. They, they fear us, right? I mean, think about these animals that when we walk outside that shouldn't have any fear of us because they could take us down in a heartbeat, but they run at the sight of man. God gave us that ability. I mean, all that ability to control all these animals. But then it says, we cannot tame the tongue. So we have the ability to control all creation. But what holds us back is our tongue, our words, our actions. We can't tame ourselves. And so we have to ask why. Well, the reason why is because we're the created, not the creator. We have to have somebody help us control that. It's not something we have the power to do because our human nature wants to go the other way. It wants to be wild, just like a horse running with that's ride has fallen off. They just do what's natural. They run. And then when they stop running, they stop and they'll sit there and eat. If something spooks them, they take off. Right? But if there's a rider on that horse pulling those reins, it stops the horse from eating. It stops the horse from running. When something, when something spooks it, they, a good rider can get it back under control in that moment and lead it to where it's supposed to be. Just like we have to have God do that for us. God has to be in control of our reins. He has to be controlling that steering wheel that controls the rudder. Because without that, we're going to fall short. And we're going to do things that we don't want to do. We're going to say things we don't want to say. We're going to react in ways that we don't want to react. And so it says here, the tongue is dangerous. In Psalms 140 verse 3 it says, They make their tongues as sharp as snakes bite. Viper's venom is under their lips. Okay. Talking about evil men. Comparing, comparing what they say with a snake's bite. I don't know if anybody in here is as scared of snakes as I am. But to compare those two things is not really a, a nice comparison, is it? For what we say is compared to like a snake bite. And it can hurt just as bad. And it can be just as deadly for people. Proverbs 16, 27 says, A worthless man digs up evil, 
and his speech is like a scorching fire. Right? A worthless man's speech can spread a long ways and do a lot of harm into the world. And we hear a lot of the, with politics right now, we hear a lot of people saying things and doing things. And it's, it's all words, but it's hurting a lot of people too. And that's not to get political in one way or the other, but there's, on both sides, there's people saying things and not really following what God's word says about any situation, but what they feel and they believe and they're saying things that are harmful and not uplifting to God's word. Romans 3.13 says, Their throat is an open grave. They deceive with their tongues. Vipers' venom is under their lips. So here again, we go back to what we saw in Psalms, right? The, the snake bite. But it says, Their throat is an open grave, and they deceive with their tongues. And that's, what, that's what the evil inside of us does. Is we, we, want to deceive, we deceive people in what we say if we're left to our own accord. If we're not under God's control. So it talks about we can pray we both praise God with our mouth and we curse man with it. We can praise God, praise God with our mouth and curse man with us with it. Those two things don't seem to fit together, do they? To, to have one thing doing both of those things. Be to at one point be praising the Creator, but then calling his creation worthless. To lift up God's name and to put down his creation at the same at, with the same mouth. Those aren't good things to do. We, we, we have to stop ourselves from doing that. And let God control us so we don't do that. Proverbs 10, 18-21 says, The one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever spreads slander is a fool. When there, when there are many words, sin is unavoidable. But the one who controls his lips is wise. The tongue of the righteous is pure silver. The heart of the wicked is of little value. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for a lack of sense. So we see here there's a balance between wise and unwise sayings, right? The righteousness, the lips of the righteous are like, are like, is like silver. That's much better than being like the venom of a snake, right? In the snake fight. I'd rather, much rather have somebody want silver out of my mouth than for me to give them a snake bite. And yeah, it all comes down to who's in control of what we're saying. In Malachi 2.7 says, For the lips of the priest should guard knowledge, and the people should seek instruction from his mouth, because he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. So it says the priest, and that's who their leaders were at the time, but for us, let's read it this way. So for the lips of a leader should guard knowledge and people should seek instruction from his mouth because he is a messenger of the Lord of hosts. So as we are leading people, we should guard, we should guard that knowledge that God gives us through his word. We should, we should guard what is memorizing his words, his scripture. We should guard that knowledge and that people should come to us for instruction from the Lord. Why? Because we, as leaders, we should be messengers for the Lord of hosts. Like, we should be the ones that people come to asking for wise wisdom. Not because we're wise. Not because we're smarter than anybody else. Not because what we say is more meaningful. But because we're a messenger, not of me, but of God. As we're sharing wisdom, we're not sharing our personal wisdom. 
But we're sharing what God has told us to share because we're in his word and we're getting wisdom from God and we're giving that knowledge out. That's the knowledge that should be shared. Far too often we want to just say, well, this is what I think and just throw it out there and, and we lead somebody, maybe not by the way God wants, but in the way that we, we think it should be. We look at what our personal wants are and we lead that way. So what do we do? First of all, we have to give our everything to God. Or we have to turn our lives over to Him. We got we gotta we gotta take the bit, put it in our mouths, and hand it to God and say, Here, you be in control. We can't spit it out just when we want to. Alright? Horses will do that sometimes you're trying to put that in. They don't want you to control them. And they know what's the control aspect, and they'll they'll try to spit that bit out while you while you're putting it on them, right? And they'll keep fighting you for it fighting for their own control at times until you take it and you get that bit and then now you have complete control. And so we do that with God. We want to spit that out and we want to take our own control back at times. But we can't do that. We have to allow God to be in control. Second thing is we have to praise God constantly. I'm reminded of a, a couple of weeks ago, Brandy was talking at a group we were at. She was talking about how she was having some negative feelings and she... She was praying about it, and God said, well, why don't you just praise me and sing praise songs to me? Then you won't. You can't think bad thoughts about people while you're praising me. If you're praising God, you can't stop, and you're not going to stop and say something bad about people at the same time, right? Uh, God's going to kind of draw that back to you. Uh, we were kind of talking about these masks, me and Brandy, were yesterday about wearing them and stuff. And I said, one of the things is I'm not so much as worried about getting the, getting the coronavirus as much as I am. This is a reminder that this is kind of what we're going through as a society. Right? It reminds me that, yeah, social distancing, we can kind of keep apart people. This is a reminder of what's going on. And if we are praising God, then we'll be, while we're praising him, God will say, hey, don't think about that person like that. You're praising me. I created them. I love them. If you do anything, share my word with them. Give them the knowledge that I gave you. Give them the love that I give you. Because if we're praising God, we shouldn't be spewing out poison, right? And that's how he finishes up there with that chapter. He says, does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water at the, from the same opening? No. The bitter makes it all bitter, doesn't it? Can a fig tree produce olives? Or a grapevine produce figs? No. They can't, they're not made for that. They're made for one thing and one thing only. Neither can salt water spring, spring yield fresh water, right? The salt, the salt water doesn't all, become, all of a sudden become fresh water. We are created for one purpose, and that's to worship God and to uplift God. So let's not forget what we're created for as the created and let God do his job as the creator and him be in control of everything. So as the musician comes forward, um, just a couple of closing thoughts. So as, as we depart today, we need to remember what we say and do as followers of Christ. It shows the world who we believe God is and what, we, and what they see from us is who the world chooses to follow or not to follow. What we say can make an impact on other people's eternal salvation. If they see we go to church every Sunday and they see our actions, but then they hear us speak, and that's contrary to what we believe. Are they going to choose to follow the God that we follow? 
know, like I said, I can be a good person and not and not not do that. They don't care about it, about me. They don't love me. They're always speaking bad things about people around them. They're not honoring the God that they say they choose. So if we lead by controlling ourselves and not not allowing God to be in control, we are presenting a false God to those around us. So by living our own lives without letting God lead it, we are presenting a false gospel to the people around us. We're giving other people an idol in our lives. We're turning them away from God rather than leading them to God. And the last thing is we cannot claim to follow God with our mouths and then follow our sinful ways in our actions. We can't claim to follow God with our mouth and then act in sinful ways. We must line those two things up. And God has to be in control of all those things. So as we lead as a Christians, and we lead the people around us to know him, remember, there's extra judgment for us that are leading others around us. And whether we want to lead or not, to, not don't want to lead, we're probably being a leader in some way, shape, or form because somebody is watching you, whether it be a grandchild, a child, a brother, a sister, or be just somebody down the road, they're always watching you. And so you're leading whether you want to be a leader or not. And as a Christian, you're called to lead those around you to him. So don't forget that. Don't forget that as leaders, we are called for extra judgment. Or we must lead according to God's word. Not Charlie's word. Right? You know what? I, I, can't, I don't want to lead you by what I think and what I say. I want to lead you by what God's word says. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this beautiful day that you gave us today, Father. Father, we thank you for being the creator. We thank you that, that you want to control us, that we can lift you up, Father. Father, we don't, I don't want to be lost and running around like a wild horse with no, no control, Father. I want, I want you to lead me. Father, I pray that as we walk away from you, Father, that, that you will continue to teach us, continue to guide us this week as we separate, and that you will just lift us up that we can honor you, Father. We praise you and love you every day. Amen. Thank you. Stand on page 591.